we carry on doubling plus a little bit every year, then by 2028, then everybody in the world will be doing Veganuary. Welcome to the Plant-Based Entrepreneur Show with your host, Jerry Saber. Hi, my name is Jerry Saber and you're listening to the Plant-Based Entrepreneur Show, the podcast for business ideas and inspiration when you want to learn more about starting or running a successful plant-based brand. Now, um, today you might hear some rain during the episode. The office where I'm recording this is not fully soundproof and right now we have one of the first big tropical storms of the season passing over us down here in Playa del Carmen. So hopefully it's not going to be anything bad. And if it really does start pouring down, I'm, I'm sure that Diego will be able to clean up the sound when he's editing. But just in case the rain gets really heavy, you know what's going on, okay? And the other thing that's going on right now, we'll be opening registration for Vegan Business Summit in less than a month. And as you know, this will be a free online event and you'll have the chance to hear the world's foremost experts on plant-based business and the founders and CEOs of the most successful vegan brands discuss their strategies and the things that work in their respective parts of the industry. The event is starting on September 12th and registration opens in July. But right now, you can still go to veganbusinesssummit.com and fill out the pre-registration survey on the site if you have any specific questions about building and running a plant-based business that you would like our speakers to answer. So head on over to veganbusinesssummit.com, click on the big survey button in the middle of the page and send your questions in before registration for the event opens. And now with that, let's transition to today's interview. Do you know anyone who went vegan for the month of January? There's this global campaign called Veganuary that challenges people to give up animal products for a whole month at the beginning of the year. And what I really like about it is that a month is a long enough time that you can really see the positive changes this brings and make an informed decision about your diet going forward. So Veganuary, it, it only started in 2014, but They've been growing exponentially from year to year. And today I'm talking to Matthew Glover, who's the man responsible for starting this project. Matthew is a longtime entrepreneur. And today we'll be talking about the things that led him to start Veganuary, the connection between Windows and vegan business, and a really exciting new project that they've just launched. So Matthew, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me uh, on the show, Jerry. I'm a big fan of your podcast, been listening to you when I'm driving, and you've had some great guests so far, so hopefully um, I'm going to be worthy of being on the show. I'm sure you will be. I mean, as, as I've already said, with your background, this shouldn't be an issue for you. And um, I'm really glad that I, I can fill your commutes because that's when I listen to most of my podcasts, podcasts as well, when I'm driving somewhere. So um, let's do this, shall we? Yeah, let's, let's let's do it. So, you know, just to start with, who's Matthew Glover? Where are you from? And what did you do before you started Veganuary and, and everything else that is plant-based? Okay, so I grew up in uh, the north of England, in Yorkshire, a place called Wakefield. Uh, I'm from a family of butchers and meat traders. A bit weird, half of my family were butchers and, and meat traders, and the other side were selling windows and doors. So uh, on my mother's side, um, I, I sort of spent a lot of time in 
butcher shops and uh, slaughterhouses, very close to the, the meat industry, which I guess comes on to sort of what I've been doing later in life. Sort of my career in the early days was from my dad, who, who ran a window company. In summer holidays and stuff, I'd be in the factory sweeping the floor while the guys were making windows. And uh, so I sort of got the entrepreneurial spirit uh, at an early age. Uh, I went and did a business and management degree course at the University of Bradford. Ended up dropping out because I was just enjoying it too much. Uh, <laughs> the fun of university, let's say. And um, ended up very soon uh working for my dad for a while and then uh, going off and setting up a business with my brother. So he was 19 and I was 21. So we set up a small window installation company in Wakefield called West Yorkshire Windows. And we grew that business over probably about 15, 20 years. I mean, the business is still going now. Started off really, really small. I mean, it was just be myself and my brother. And then we took a, a fitting team on and and we took a sales guy on and everything. But in the early days, we were doing pretty much the whole shebang. And then um, as the business developed, we started manufacturing, uh, set a, another company up called Conservatory Outlet, which was a manufacturing window business, which we built up. And then I, we sold it in 2014. So we had about 200 members of staff and lots of big kit manufacturing, you know, the windows and doors and selling them throughout the UK. So that's, I guess, me in, in a nutshell. So how about the butcher side of your family? Because that seems like completely opposite to, to what you're doing right now with Veganuary. Yeah, totally. I mean, I've, from a very early age, understood that, that meat that was in a packet at the supermarket had originally been, you know, an animal, which I think a lot of kids don't really work that out. But so, I, you know, I certainly did. And um, I was never very comfortable about eating meat as a child. But, you know, when you, your family are so heavily invested in the industry, uh, it was very much pushed on me, even though I'd be pushing the meat to one side on the plate, um, trying to eat the veggies. So there was a bit of pressure to eat. It wasn't until I was 28 that um, I finally took the decision to go vegetarian and then later still uh, becoming vegan. So, yeah. It takes a while, doesn't it, to uh, join all the dots. So what was it for you? What, what turned you on to vegetarianism? Was it just a love for vegetables that you've had since you were a child, apparently? Or was it other things as well? Through my early 20s, you know, I was building up this business with my brother. And, um, you know, so I had other priorities in life. So I didn't just really wasn't thinking about it. And then I can't remember what happened because it was 17, 18 years ago. But I don't think it was anything in particular. It wasn't that I, I read a book or I, you know, saw a video or anything. I, I just had generally felt a little bit uncomfortable about eating meat. It never felt right so I, I think I just I think I just took the decision that enough was enough and uh, I wasn't going to eat it anymore. So so, yeah, so I cut meat, fish, uh, but obviously continued eating dairy and eggs for, for at least another 10 years. And then what happened was I'd started through the mid 30s. See, I'd always been focused on just becoming a millionaire all my life. That was, you know, if you've asked me in my early 20s, what do you want to be in life, Matthew? It's like, I want to be a millionaire. But when I got to my mid-30s, I started re-evaluating life a little bit. And I'd become concerned about climate change and um, started looking into the environmental movement. And I was particularly interested in something called peak oil. Mm -hmm. So I was reading books and blogs about the concept that once 
we've used up half of the oil that is underground that is the peak and from that point onwards it becomes um, really almost chaotic because by then the likelihood is we wouldn't have had enough renewable energy in place. So anyway I was, I was sort of interested in that and there was this advert on this blog and it just said the video the meat industry doesn't want you to see and I thought well I'm vegetarian anyway there's nothing here that's going to scare me so I clicked on the link and it was just a five minute video but it showed me shocking scenes of cruelty within the egg and dairy industry and that was really the first time I'd, I'd really thought about it and it was uh, Peter people for the ethical treatment of um, animals it was one of their banner adverts that sort of converted me I guess and then when I started doing the research I watched Gary Yarofsky his speech I watched Earthlings I started reading books and then you know over maybe a couple of weeks I went vegan and at that point in time, I'd never met another vegan. I didn't really know what they were. I just thought they were these weirdos, really. Mm-hmm. I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> so it just didn't feel right to me anymore. Vegetarian was not enough. Um, I had to go the full way, really. How did your family feel about that? I was um, married to um, a previous wife and had, had two children. I guess when it first happens, you become a bit evangelical and you try and talk to all of your family and, and make them see sense, but and, and they don't, and that becomes quite frustrating. So I'm not saying it was the only reason, but me and my wife split up shortly after going vegan. And um, my kids now, the the twins, they're 17, and they're still not vegan yet. I, I'm trying to, I'm working on them, but sometimes it's a lot easier working on and converting other people to go vegan than it is your immediate family to be honest mm-hmm. yeah it's just that path that everyone is on and for some it takes longer for some it's, it's not as long but it's true when it's your own family then sometimes that can be the hardest yeah i know about it they have preconceived ideas of you as an individual and they look at the whole package and um, like I said, I'm confident that one day hopefully my boys um, will join join me on this path. You know, I, I look at it as being I'm trying to convert thousands of people rather than just two individuals. That makes more sense to me. And yeah, well, speaking about those thousands, um, I, I've had a look at Veganuary's numbers and I'd love to talk about that a little later, but right now just... How did you even come up with the idea for Veganuary? And what is Veganuary for those that may not know about it? And, you know, if, if you can expand a bit on, on my very short intro that I did before. Yeah, sure. I mean, it, it started off um, with, uh, well, firstly, meeting my new wife, Jane. We, we met on a, a vegan dating website. Which one was that? I think it was vegandatinguk.com. But it was a bit of a con, actually, because, you know, I was out there looking for a, a new vegan woman in my life. And um, Jane was on vegetariandatinguk.com. So I thought when we were on our first date that um, that I was meeting and, and, you know, on a date with a vegan girl. But she wasn't. She was only a vegetarian. Uh, <laughs> So, but she actually became my first convert, luckily. So after three dates, she had a, a pizza with cheese on it, which was a bit disgusting. And um, I thought, I'm not having any more of this. So I'm, I see her in the background right now, and she seems to be laughing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that I guess that's the start. And then the, the two of us became like um, a double act in, in activism. So we spent a lot of time doing research. We went to the animal rights conference in the US and, and met a lot of activists there. And we were trying to decide what was going to be the best use of our time. Should we be 
breaking into chicken sheds and rescuing animals? Should we be handing leaflets out on street corners or at universities? Or should we be joining other organisations? At the beginning, we just didn't know. But the more we spoke to people and the more we thought about it, we decided that the best thing would be to use our existing skill sets. So Jane was an, an English teacher, so she was really good at writing stuff. And my background was in building up businesses. And I guess my strongest part of that is a pretty decent salesman and um, an interest in marketing. So so we were like, well, what, what could we do that's going to utilize these skills that we have? And I'd taken part in a campaign before I'd gone vegan called Movember. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it, Jerry, but it's a campaign that's it's quite popular in the UK and Australia and the idea is that you grow a moustache for the month of November and uh, it's about raising awareness for prostate cancer and, and men's health issues and I really liked the the vibe of that campaign and how it had really gone quite viral and there was people on the TV with these crazy moustaches and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that, that's a bit of a sore point for me because the the rate at which my facial hair growth, I, I should probably be starting in may or june to to have anything decent on my face in in november so but yeah i'm I'm familiar with it i mean people do all sorts of crazy stuff they have like these handlebar mustaches and and um there's a whole website with all the different designs that you can go for but um i'd done it one year and looked a bit like tom Selleck, if you remember him Mm -hmm. um big bushy mustache I, i looked quite ridiculous really but anyway we um we thought what could we do that's got that same sort of vibe? So we thought, well, what's the best thing people could do for the month, which is good for animals? When we thought, well, going vegan for a month is the best idea. And then we looked at what would be the best month. And we just felt that January was best, you know, for people doing New Year's resolutions. It tends to be a time when people are more focused on their health. They've eaten too much food at Christmas, so they need to sort of detox and lose weight. So we decided on January. So we had vegan January. And then obviously it's a bit contrived, but we merged it together and became veganuary. It's really difficult to say. A lot of people say veganuary, veganuary, which sounds a bit rude. And <laughs> what we like to say is veganuary is saying it is the most difficult part of taking part because we try and make it as easy as we can for people with practical help and support and recipes and, and, and such like. So, yeah, that's, I guess, in a nutshell, that's the background. And, and we formed it. It was um, September 2013 that we first came up with the idea. And then we launched the website by November. It was really quick getting it off the ground. And uh, yeah, we had our first ever campaign in, in January 2014. You're the sales and marketing guy here. How how did you do your marketing, marketing for that? And what, what sort of impact were you expecting that first year? So the... What had happened was we'd, we'd been making money out of uh, the businesses that was running. So we just invested heavily in a really good quality website. We hired a PR company. Uh, so we funded it all ourselves through our, basically our savings, then put money into social media advertising, particularly Facebook ads. So when we launched, we, we didn't really have high expectations. Jane had predicted that we'd be lucky to get 100 people signing up. And I was a little bit more optimistic, and I said, "No, babe, we'll we'll do a thousand, no problem." And uh, we actually got three thousand three hundred. So 
I guess we treated it more as if it was a pilot scheme to see whether the concept was good. And it really was. We got all sorts of media coverage. We were on the Guardian website and the Daily Mail. I think in the first year there was rumours going around that um, the chef, Jamie Oliver, he was taking part, which the Daily Mail had got it mixed up. That wasn't true at all. That was the type of impact that we were getting. And it was just myself and Jane working from home, really. So as you said in the intro, we've been growing it. In 2015, we had 12,800 people take part. Then 2016, it, it sort of nearly doubled to 23,500. And then in 2017, the, the, the January just gone, we got we had 59,500. So it's doing pretty well. And we actually were confident that it's a lot more than that because we're getting to the point, particularly in the UK, where Veganuary is a thing. So people just do it. So they don't necessarily sign up on the website. It's, for example, I always every year do dry January where I, I, I don't drink alcohol for the month, but I never sign up on a website. I just do it. So we're confident that the 59,500 is, is on the yeah. low side. How do you measure that impact actually? So people, when they join Veganuary, the official way to go about it is to sign up on the website, create a sort of a profile and, and take the pledge or is that it? Yeah, that's it. So the website, it encourages people to, to do that, to take the pledge. And um, and really, that's the only thing that we can monitor properly is whether or not people have signed up on the website. And then once they do sign up, they get emails throughout the month of January every day with support, you know, links to different pieces of practical help on the website. Um, we try and link people to the Facebook group, which has got way over 10,000 people in it now. So that's a really good support network for people that are transitioning. And we put recipes out there and stuff. So our target for next year is 150,000, of which we're hoping for at least 100,000 in the UK and then about 50,000 overseas. So and that's roughly then following the pattern that we've been doing, which is we've been doubling plus a little bit um, every year. And we have worked out that if if we carry on doubling plus a little bit every every year, then by 2028, then everybody in the world will be doing Veganuary. But that, that's a pretty good goal to, to aim for, I think. <laughs> yeah. Even if it's 2030, that should be fine. <laughs> yeah, I'd be happy with 2030. <laughs> Besides this growth, what, what was the most unexpected thing about vegan europe is there anything that that really surprised you about the the way that things moved we're very data driven so every year we've surveyed our participants immediately after the campaign so in february um, and then we also do a six-month survey so that's from the last campaign we, we found that 77% of people ate uh, vegan food for the entire month of January. And of the 23% that didn't, a lot of those reported that it was just sort of minor slips, you know. Even the 23% that didn't do it up for the full month, a lot of those did vegan for the, for the bulk of the month. This is a, quite an interesting stat, is that 97% of people that took part said they feel healthier or they felt healthier during January than they had in previous months. So, you know, that's a massive message that I think we need to get out there. So a lot of people reporting that they're sleeping better, that, you know, they, they're losing weight, that they just feel better about themselves and their skin's getting better, you know, lots of different things that people are reporting. That's what I was kind of alluding to in, in the introduction, that if, if you do it for a whole month, 
then you'll be really able to see what what kind of changes that that brings for for you for the way your body functions for for how much more energy you have because and this is in no way a critic of of the whole meatless monday movement because i think that in in terms of impact it means you know 14% less meat consumption but if if you want to really move people to to the point where they seriously consider going vegan then giving them a whole month to to actually experience it i think that's that's where things really start moving yeah that that's where we come at it from um they they say it's commonly um mentioned that it takes 21 days to change a habit so we we give an extra 10 days on top of that and we're finding that each year our conversion rate is improving. So I think in our first campaign, it was around about 50% of people that took part in February reported that they were going to stay vegan, whereas this campaign, it had gone up to 67%. Wow. So it's, it's a higher number of people taking part and also a higher proportion that are going to stay vegan. So for us, it's not just a case of continuing to get more and more people taking part, but also those that do take part, we, we want to try and convert as many of those from February onwards. So I often say it's like we, it's a bit of a trick that we, we have with people where we don't say go vegan for the month. Our message is try vegan this January. So then when they do it for the full month and they feel great, they realize that it's not as difficult as maybe they imagined, then by the, the end of January, people just got used to it. And then it's a lot easier decision in February to stay vegan than it would have been at the end of December to go vegan in the first place. That's the way we see it. And uh, obviously, the main reason we do it is it's about saving animals. So a huge number of people also reduce their consumption of animal products. You know, the 33% that that's said they were not staying vegan, a lot of those, they're going vegetarian, which again is a step in the right direction. Uh, and even those that are not going vegetarian or vegan are, are maybe cutting cow's milk out of their diet because they found that the almond milk's, you know, a good replacement. So, and we, we try to not be judgmental as well. You know, we don't tell people off if they failed. It's a case of we, we try and support them. And uh, if it's not going to work this year, then maybe they'll they'll take part next year and uh, and go the full distance with us. How is it gender-wise? Like, uh you get a 50 50 representation of of men and women or you track that of course right yeah no it's it's shockingly in favor of females it's um i think last time it was 88 percent female wow yeah 10 percent male and two percent prefer not to say or other um so that is slightly skewed because when we do some of our facebook advertising we specifically target females because we know we get a better response rate from them but even when we've looked at, like this year, we did a campaign on the London Underground. So we were able to track people that saw the ads on the Underground and signed up. And it was 80% females and 20% males that responded to those ads. But you would guess that it's probably more like a 50-50 ratio of people that are using the London Underground. So it's definitely clear that, that women are more intelligent and compassionate than, than us guys, I'm afraid. Yeah, it sounds like men really need to step up their game in in terms of this. Yeah, I think one thing that we've learned as well is one of the things that we learned from this last campaign is that it was a higher proportion this year than previous years of people that chose 
either health or the environment as being their main reason for taking part, as opposed to animals and ethical reasons. I may be wrong, but I, my, my gut feeling is that um, maybe men are, are potentially more motivated by health and uh, environmental messages than, than the animal message. Or we find it harder to admit that we actually, you know, have feelings for, for animals. That could be it as well, Jerry, yeah. We're keen over the coming years to, to bring more of the health and the environmental message into our campaigns as well as the ethical animal arguments anyway. So just one quick sub-question here. How do you actually track which people coming into Veganuary have seen the, the ad on the underground? Uh, it's just um, a drop-down box. Okay. Yeah. Self-reported. Yeah. I mean, we, 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 we can track all of the online stuff through Google Analytics and other mm -hmm. tools, um, but uh, the offline stuff like the London Underground, we really have to rely on that. It is worth also mentioning, though, that in we were able to look at the geographical location of people signing up, and it was about 10,000 people that signed up in London this year, whereas only 3,000 people chose the London Underground ads as the reason. So I think what can happen is, you know, people were seeing the ads on the underground and then they were maybe talking about it on social media and stuff that they'd taken part. So it gets the ripple effect. So right now it's, you know, nearly 60,000 people in. I, I imagine it's not just you and, and your wife running this, right? You must have a larger team. Yeah, in the first campaign, it was literally just myself and Jane and, and we used freelancers to help us. Now we have a, a team of four people. Jane works on it full time. I work on my other business interests and then I flit in and out. But, you know, we, we're growing, currently hiring a managing director to uh, to help take the campaign to new levels. I think we're, we're growing reasonably organically, even though the numbers sound like they're doubling every time. It's, it's actually quite manageable, you know, how we're doing it. So, yeah, we've got a great team. Hopefully over the coming years, we'll just keep growing. Obviously, it depends on the financial side of it as to, you know, the, that's the main limiting factor in, as to how big we can go with it. That was going to be my, my next question, because the way that Veganuary is set right now, there's, do you have any revenue or is this sponsorships only for what you do? Does any money come in when, when you're running this? Yeah, so last year that we ran the campaign on um, around about £130,000, of which um, we did did a crowdfunding campaign for the underground ads, uh, so people donated to that. We also have a few major donors now. We do sponsorship as well, so there's brands uh, pay to be associated with Veganuary and we share their sort of messages and product launches and, and what have you. Um, our target this year is 350,000. I mean, that's a target. We're not necessarily get fully to that, but um, we're going to have a good go at it. And um, it's really key for us is that we keep as we grow our revenue and grow the campaign, that we keep our cost per vegan conversion to roughly £2. So it's roughly £2 per vegan is what it, it's been over the last two or three years. So as we keep growing, if we can keep it to roughly that, then we're remaining as, as effective as we are now as we grow into a bigger organisation. That's a pretty cool figure to, to have, you know, if, if when you're doing your crowdfunding campaign or anything, you can tell people so you... If you commit 10 pounds, you're essentially converting five people into to veganism. Yeah, and the numbers on that, when you consider, particularly if you're converting non-vegetarians to veganism, because people don't realize how many animals they're eating. 
I think in the UK, it's around about 120 animals per year, including fish and chickens. Per person. Primarily fish and chickens. But um, if you can stop people eating those, then you're very quickly saving a lot of animals by donating to Veganuary and us then converting people to vegans. I do believe it's it's about as effective as you're going to get in terms of uh, effective animal advocacy. That is a very effective form of, of spreading the message, yeah. I totally agree. So, okay, that's Veganuary, which obviously runs in, in January, but what about the other 11 months of, of the year? How, how does that look for you, you know, personally, and what does the, the rest of the Veganuary team do from February to, to December? Yeah, it's funny. We get asked this all the time because I, I guess being a, a January campaign, um, but I mean, the, I can assure you that the, the team uh, are working 24-7 throughout the year, pretty much. So we're, we're building up the resources. We're, we're continuing to campaign. We've just recently launched, or we're about to launch, I should say, a Try Vegan This Month campaign. So in other words, people, if on July the 3rd somebody fancies going vegan, they don't have to wait until January the 1st. They can sign up on, on J July the 3rd and they would then get uh, monthly emails from us. So we, we don't want to put barriers, obviously, in place for people. So um, that's, that's a new thing that we're bringing in. We also do uh, investigations. We just, myself and Jane, recently went in a dairy farm last week in the middle of the night, filming and, and raising awareness, really, for, for what happens. Okay, is this something that you can share? Because I, I don't want you to get in trouble if we're talking about something that might not be legal. Well, we, we're still editing the footage, and but it'll be out there pretty soon. And we did a pig farm investigation back end of last year as well. So there's loads of stuff, and we're continuously improving our website, making sure that the content on there gets seen. Our traffic, website traffic's like tripling every year, you know, the, the amount of people that are, are coming to the site. So, the, yeah, there's loads to do. Myself, personally, then, I tend to flit into Veganuary in December and January, which is the peak of the time for recruitment and people taking part. And then through the rest of the year, I move back into my business interests, which is, um, we, we did we skip this, but I, I now run the Fit Show, which is uh, an exhibition trade show. Uh, for the window and door industry, which um, I've now run four of those. And that is since I sold the window company, that is now my, my main business is, is promoting this, this trade show. If, if I understand you correctly, that's where the money, at least in the beginning, was coming from for, for Veganuary as well, right? Yeah, exactly. So um, it's, it's really successful. It's the only trade show in the UK for the window and door sector. I realize for a lot of your listeners, it's, um, it, it's not... On, on topic with the vegan side, but it's it's been able to fund our effective altruism, I guess. Um, we've also been donors to, to other charities over the years as well with the money that's been raised from from the Fit Show. So, yeah, so, uh, and then obviously we've got this new idea that um, that I'm, I'm really working on most of the time now because the last Fit Show was three weeks ago. It was held at the NEC in Birmingham and then we're going biennial with it, so it's going to be every two years. Whereas previously we've been doing it roughly every year. So I sort of, I was starting to get to the point where I needed something else to do with my time. So is it okay for me to talk about that now? Oh, oh absolutely. I mean, we've, we already introduced the, um, the fact that you have something coming up. And when this interview goes out, I think it's going to be just aligned with, with the launch of it. So 
go ahead. So thank you. But, but yeah, basically we're launching Thrive, uh, the plant-based food show, which is going to be a mainstream vegan consumer show, which we're holding at the National Exhibition Centre in Birmingham. Uh, the NEC is um, pretty much the biggest and, and best known exhibition venue in the UK. So we're, we're holding it the 28th and 29th of April next year. Like I said, this venue holds most of the major trade and consumer shows. It's really well located. Birmingham, obviously, is central in the UK. You've got 40% of the UK population within a two-hour drive. There's a train station on site. And even for international visitors, there's an airport on site as well. So we think it's the best location. A lot of the existing vegan plant-based events tend to be in London or the southeast. Whereas we just felt that something centrally located at the NEC would um, take things to a new level. Yeah, in wh terms. where is Birmingham for for anyone who's not you know intimately familiar with Britain's geography in in terms of how, how close is it to to London? So uh, it's seventy minutes on a train from London Euston uh, directly to the venue, and then it's you can walk straight into the halls. Places like Manchester and Leeds and Liverpool, all of these are within two hours on the train. And it is so central. I mean, 70% of the UK population is within a three-hour drive of, of Birmingham. So, it, you know, if you were to look on the map and think, where is the best position within the UK to put an exhibition venue? You'd, you'd put it roughly where the NEC is. And it's also connected with all the motorway network as well. Everything sort of flows to the middle of the country. We're hoping that we can pull people from London, but also from the north, from Wales, from the southwest, and the Midlands itself. Yeah, so the Thrive Show, what, what's the overall idea behind it? Yeah, so it's really, it's about taking veganism to the mainstream. Um, it isn't a show for vegans, if you see what I mean. It's, it's a show for everybody. Uh, and we'll be targeting meat reducers, flexitarians, and vegetarians primarily. Um, And uh, this is a term that I've heard on your podcast, but plant curious. So it's really, it's, it's people that are maybe on that journey mm -hmm. uh, is very much the people that we're targeting. Um, that doesn't mean that we're not expecting vegans to come. Of course they'll come, but um, it's really how, how do we get as many non-vegans to the show as possible? Because, um, you know, that's where the growth is uh, for the movement. Um, that's where the brands, the food brands, they're more interested in talking to um, you know, the flexitarians, the meat reducers than they are the, the vegans, which is such a small proportion of our population. So it's really it's about getting the big brands to join up with the show. So the big food brands, uh, we want to get the supermarket chains there, big clothing brands. Uh, we've got a number of celebrities lined up as speakers. So we've got uh, Nick Knowles and Heather Mills, uh, both definitely confirmed, and we're talking to a few more. Also keen to get some keynote speakers. Hopefully, Jerry, you, you can make the uh, journey over to the UK and, uh, and join us. It'd be an honor, absolutely. And and certainly uh, a number of the people that have, have been on your podcast, uh, really keen to talk to some of those guys um, because we're really keen to, to really raise the bar in terms of seminars and, um, and, and the, the content. It's all about content. It's got to be a show that people come to and really find out so much information. So our aim is to attract 20,000 visitors and entertain them the best that we can. We're, we're so excited. I mean, it's a bit nerve-wracking because the show, we're launching it in on June the 28th, which is in about nine days. So there's a lot of preparation work going on in the background. 
Yeah, I, I can imagine that because it's it's not going to be just you know a trade show with with stalls. You're going to have, like you said, speakers and lectures and and I saw from from the deck that you shared, you're also planning to have like special areas where there's going to be things happening all the time during the show. Yeah, so we're going we're to build a super theater uh, right in the middle of the uh, halls. Um, so that will be for all the headline talks and uh, celebrities. Um, we're also going to create other seminar areas focusing on practical help for you know people that are on the journey. So eating out, information, um, nutrition, uh, you know, um, you know how, where to go to find products, that type of stuff. Um, then we're going to have health and uh, fitness. Um, we want to get plant-based athletes on board. We want to get dietitians, um, some of the doctors that are uh, proponents of a plant-based diet. And also, I'd, I'd like to really talk about food technology and, and the business side of it. You know, what you pretty much specialize in, Jerry, is, is um, I'm very much of a like mind that we need to work out strategies to get more of the non-vegan businesses on our side mm -hmm. and how to get more products um, on the shelves in supermarkets and in restaurants and everything. So so we'll be talks focused on that. Um, we're even looking at creating a, a muscle beach concept so we can have plant-based athletes working out and you know doing their stuff and uh, for, the, for the audience really to be able to see these um, these athletes and you know how they're um, able to lift these weights and achieve these great things uh, just on you know eating plants so yeah um, all exciting so how that's you said twenty thousand visitors. How how many exhibitors do do you expect to to have, or what are you aiming for? So well, we're aiming for three hundred. A lot of them are going to be small sort of stands, um, but we're thinking big as well in the sort of the, the targets. Like I said, the supermarkets. You know, can we get Tesla there to to bring one of their vegan cars along? Could we bring Reebok and, and Nike and brands like that if they've got products that are vegan and cruelty free? Then you know, why not think big in terms of the brands that we get on board? So, is that the the way that you're describing it? It it seems like it's a whole new concept of of a vegan event because it's part trade show it's part exhibition it's part seminar and educational talks so can can you actually compare it to to anything that's currently happening either in in the uk or or somewhere else i mean there's some some really great vegan events and veg fest going on in the uk and elsewhere and i think i think they all do a great job we've visited and um a lot of these ourselves, and um, we've been exhibitors with Veganuary, so they play a, a really important role for the movement and for connecting people locally. And in terms of competition, I don't see existing veg fests and, and vegan shows as, as competition to us. We, you know, we're all fighting the same battle. I, I see that our competition is is more the bigger non-vegan food shows that there are. You know, there's there's a big one at the NEC, the BBC Good Food Show. It's trying to um to compete with those guys to get more plant-based products you know on display for people you know work out ways to tap into their audiences because it's all about trying to get 
people seeing plant-based food and, and experiencing the lifestyle for the first time. So I don't know if that's answered your question, but I, d- I just don't see our show as really similar to anything that's already out there. It's it, Hopefully it's going to be complementary to what's already out there. Mm-hmm. That's the way I, I see it as well, just from what you're talking about right now. But, um, you know, in, in terms of size, this is it's pretty enormous. So you obviously you, you have experience with with organizing trade shows like that from the fit show but um for someone who does not what does it take to plan and to organize and to pull off an event like that how long does it take how many people you need on your team yeah it's going to take a lot of hard work and, and concentration obviously i mean we hopefully myself and jane are in a unique position because we've got the background of organizing a, a successful event already so we've got team uh, or parts of the team and also the knowledge that we've learned from running that uh, trade show that we can call upon and, and utilize so the relationships on the exhibition side of it with the NEC and, and some of the contractors um, that's already in place which makes it easier and then also from the, the vegan plant-based side of it because of our success with Veganuary and the contacts that we've made and the associations with a lot of the groups that are over here, then we're hoping that it gives us a really good springboard to get this off the ground from day one. In terms of of staff, we've hired so far one salesperson and um, we'll be looking to strengthen the team, you know, once we've got launched. But a a lot of it is reutilizing some of the staff from the Fit Show in the early days and also utilizing the uh, the goodwill and and um, we've generated from from the Veganuary campaign over the last few years. Wow! So we're basically saying that right now you have a team of yourself and and your wife and one salesperson. <laughs> well, uh, I suppose technically yes, um, but uh, I, we've also I can pull in uh, the team from Fit Events. Yeah. So the ops director from that will work on this show the bookkeeper will work on on this show as well as on the fit show so there's going to be um a crossover between you know what's happening there um no i appreciate that i'm, I'm going to have to strengthen a little bit but we've managed to run fit show it's a big event we, we filled twenty thousand square meters of space at the nec we had 250 exhibitors and we did it all with a handful of staff working from home you know so if you get the right people and they're all motivated and they know what they're doing, then, you know, you don't need to have a lot of people on board. So, and then as you get closer to the event, then you bring in freelancers to help at the show, obviously. So we mm-hmm. will have, like with the Fit Show on, on the seminar side of it, we had a freelance manager that, that pulled all of that together. We had a gala dinner, so there was somebody else that, that ran that side of it. You bring people in to, to help with the registration area. But again, we've got access to all of these people anyway it does sound if you just say there's three of us at the minute it (laughs) does sound like a big task i appreciate jerry yeah for anyone who who's been wondering since the the intro how does the window business connect to vegan business well here's your answer it's just an evolution moving from one to the other isn't it so i mean my my goal is to go full-time vegan advocacy animal rights over the coming years and this is sort of the next step towards that i guess for me personally yeah where where do you see this going in the future like you you want to run this every year if it's successful and how do you see it evolving obviously we need to see how it goes we've got 10 months to to promote the hell out of it um we are contracted for 
um, April 2019 as well. So it's it's definitely two shows at the same venue. But long term, if it works, you know, I've been talking to people in the US and they've been saying, Matthew, you know, we wish there was a show like this in the US. So, you know, maybe we could we could look at bringing it to the States. Uh, another one of your um, guests on the podcast I had a chat with and he said, Matthew, this would be perfect in China because what's going on there and, you know, there's, there's growing interest. This would be a great show in China. But I think at this stage I need to run before I can walk. So it's a case of, you know, get this launch done um, see how that works and then then we'll start planning global domination after that i think speaking of that you know that on pretty much every episode i i try to steer towards this question so this was a question about the future of of the event where do you see the the future of the world headed if if we keep on doing what we're doing if all these things come to fruition Do you know, this is the most difficult question you've asked me, Jerry. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, 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 I, I guess I'm, I'm optimistic. Um, we're at a low point, I guess, in terms of the numbers of vegans out there and the amount of animals that are being harmed and the devastation that animal agriculture is having on the planet. So, But there's, we do seem to be, I, I just get the feeling that we're at the early stages of something really positive happening. So it's going to be a long, hard slog over the next decades, I guess. We're definitely on the right side, aren't we, in terms of, you know, the ethical side, in terms of the environmental argument and in terms of health. It, it's very clear that we need to, as a society to move in this direction. So I think it's a matter of time. How quickly it's going to happen, I don't know. We need more talented people uh, joining the movement. Um, we need more people setting businesses up. And, you know, we, we, need, uh, we need more money flowing into the, the movement, not just in terms of the charitable sector, but also into the business sector. So um, I'm keen to be optimistic, and I hope I am, and I'm, I'm going to do everything I can personally to, to help in, in that direction. So we'll see whether it happens in my lifetime, whether we get fully there, I'm not sure. Personally, from the things that I've seen just in the short time that I've been doing this podcast and the people that I'm talking to, I'm I'm increasingly optimistic of... For the future of, of humanity. Yeah, I think, we, well, we have to be, don't we? And um, yeah, I do hope you're right. And uh, there's some really talented people making such a difference out there. So it's not going to happen next year or the year after. But um, And I was joking about the 2028 thing for Veganuary, by the way. But, but we'll keep trying and um, we'll see where we get. Keep on, keep on then. Right. So um, now for anyone who, who wants to know more about this event the is it thrive festival or thrive show thrive show right so this podcast will be launching on june 28th which which is the exact date when when you're officially launching so it's going to tie up really well so for anyone who wants to buy tickets can can they get tickets already or are you already opening sales registration Yeah, so fingers crossed, by the time this podcast goes out, hopefully the website will be uh, live with the site. Um, we're spending a lot of time at the moment just on finishing touches to the development side of it. The ticketing side of it should be ready as well. So I don't know, we're on June the 19th as we're talking now, aren't we? So <laughs> fingers crossed by June the 28th, everything will be ready and people can buy tickets. So the, the website will be or is thriveshow.co.uk. 
if people go to that site. Worst case scenario, there'll be a holding page there if, if it hasn't quite gone 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 ready yet. Are, are you setting anything up for um, for social media as well, or should people just connect with you on the on the Veganuary pages to to know more? We've set up already Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, I think they're all Thrive Show UK as the handle. Mm-hmm. So Twitter would be at Thrive Show UK. If anybody wants to personally get in touch with myself, at Renegade Guy, or people can find me through Facebook and LinkedIn, I guess, as well. That's awesome. And, you know, thank you very much for, for the invitation as well, because it, it would be an honor to, to come join you guys next April. Well, it's it's an open invitation. I'd love to see you there, Jerry. And um, if there's any uh, any of the people that are listening that are interested in chatting with me about Thrive Show uh, in terms of bringing brands or being speakers, then uh, please hit me up. That'd be great. Yeah, cool. Matthew, um, I'm really looking forward to this. And uh, thank you very much for joining me today and uh, doing this announcement here on the Plant-Based Entrepreneur Show. Thank you, Jerry, for having me. It's been an honor. Yeah, great. Have an awesome day, okay? All right, that was Matthew Glover, the founder of Veganuary, giving us the inside scoop on the upcoming Thrive Show. If you're in the UK or anywhere else in Europe for that matter, this sounds like an event that you won't want to miss in 2018. And I'm sure that as it gets closer, you'll be hearing more about it on the Plan-Based Entrepreneur Show as well. If you want to book tickets for it, or if you want to find out more about anything else that we mentioned in this interview, you'll find the show notes on our website, as always. If you go to theplanbasedentrepreneur.com forward slash show forward slash episode 033, all the links to everything that we talked about are right there. Also, once again, don't forget that registration will be opening soon for Vegan Business Summit. But before it does, you can still submit the biggest questions you have about starting or running the vegan business for our speakers to answer. Just visit www.veganbusinesssummit.com, click on the survey button in the middle of the page and let us know what would help you with your business plans. Now that'll be all for today. I have to say we were really lucky with the rain. It seems like there's no hurricanes developing around here yet. So I'll be back again next week with another interview. Until then, stay amazing and remember, the future is plant-based.